the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Outside these church walls, that's how people see us. And we could be the only Bible that someone might ever read. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. I don't know how you came to know Christ. Maybe some of you were raised in a Christian home like my four kids were, and they were raised in it all the way, and they all made commitments to Christ as they were little and they were growing up and what have you. Maybe that's how you came to know Christ. But I know for me, I didn't come that way. I came because someone shared the message with me. This is why it's so critically important for all of us to grasp this and understand that we are the link that a non-believer needs to be able to come into this relationship. God could do a way better job than using us, right? He could just like split the sky in half, put his Godhead through the sky. <laughs> hey, repent or I'm going to roast you. <laughs> I mean, whatever. However he wants to go about it. And people would probably like, I better listen to that big face that just came out of the sky. But God has chosen not to do that. God has chosen as a vehicle to use you and me to bring this message to the lost. So that's why the Apostle Paul tells us here that we need to be the guide to the blind. So isn't that great, though, that he says now we have received the spirit. The spirit is from God. So all of a sudden, while someone was talking to me, the truth of God's word, God allowed my eyes to open. And that's what will happen to you as you keep sharing with people. It'll start causing their hearts to come open. Now, some people are very hardened inside. And so they might not show you any sign that they're listening to you. But again, the Bible says that the word of God goes out and doesn't come back void. So they might look at you to your face. You're a nut. Get out of here. I don't want to talk to you. But when they go to bed that night, All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit starts bringing those things back to them and starts chipping away at that callousness inside of them that has blocked it out. Yes, God does not keep us as believers in the dark. And when we start speaking to people, people will start to listen. Because again, you know, you can argue with Bible doctrine. You can argue about certain Bible prophecy. You can argue about what certain things mean. But you know, when you have someone who's just genuinely sharing with you their own testimony, it's pretty hard to argue with someone. It's like, man, I, I just want you to know God like I know him. I mean, I have a relationship with the living God. It's like, you know, it's like it's hard to argue with that. And it's just awesome that God uses us to do that. Now, obviously, there are certain things that we are simply not going to know, but yet God has given us insight on many things. That's why the Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says, you know, the secret things are the Lord's 
And those are his, but the things that are for us, you know, we are to know these things. But God's word reveals so much to you and to me. That's why it is a treasure chest full of promises to those who really believe in him. Number two, what he said was, we are to be a light to those that are walking in darkness. You know, it's amazing how, you know, as a believer, you can see certain things for what it is. It's like, oh, no, this is what the truth is. That's not the truth. That's a lie. But when you're walking in darkness, you just, you don't see that, you know. Yes, we are to shine our faith out in our daily, everyday life and walk, letting all people, again, tangibly see our good works, all to glorify our Father who is in heaven. You know, it's just in little things, you know, like getting too much change back. You know, someone can give you too much change back. You know, you hand them a a 10 and they give you a change for a 20. It doesn't happen often, but it's happened to me, you know, quite a few times actually in my life. I mean, a little older than some and, you know, but it happens and, you know, it just happened again, uh, you know, a couple months ago, you know, some kid at a, I don't know where I was at, you know, I, I don't know if, in and out or something, but it's like handing me change for 20. And I gave him a 10. I said, uh, Hey, you gave me 10 bucks too much. He goes, no, I didn't. I'm like, oh, yes, you did. <laughs> and he goes, Oh, you know what? You're right. I did. Oh, thank you so much. You know, it's like, you know, if you kept that, you could say, Hey man, that's free lunch next time. But you know, that poor kid's going to get in trouble for his, you know, his cash register is going to come up, you know, short and everything. And it's like, Oh, thank you so much. It's like, well, you know, and I always tell him, I go, Hey, the, you know, the reason, I'm giving that back. I'm going to stand before God one day. I'm a Christian and I want to be honest. You know, I, I tell them why I'm doing it. It's not just because, oh, gee, look at Steve. He's such a nice person. No, 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 no. I'm only doing this because Christ lives in me. And I want that person to know that. Because if I was a heathen dog, all I'm thinking is, man, I got lunch for tomorrow. <laughs> you know, so I want people to know why. It was Alan Redpath. Now, I quoted him twice this morning at the end of the message this morning. Here's another quote from Alan Redpath. And he said this quote, a crucified Lord seeks crucified people for it is only such a people who can share his burden with the lost world see he wants a crucified people people have died to themselves have come to the lord how do we come or don't we have to humble ourselves oh god forgive me you know just cleanse me lord i realize my play in position is not good lord i have sinned before you and i know there's only judgment for me but god i just i i confess my sin and and, and i just come before you and, and and we come humbly before the lord and he forgives us and so now he says that now we are the ones that can share that burden with a lost world hey man i was lost just like you see this is where the religious you know goody two shoes that's, that, that doesn't witness good to people. You know, I'm perfect. Look at me. I'm little Miss Perfect, you know. And it's like, uh, you know, you should be like me. I do everything right. It's like, no, I'm a dog, and I've done everything wrong, yet God saved me. And so I'm here to tell you that you could be forgiven. Your sin could be cleansed. Your guilt can be taken away. Your shame can be erased. And you can know God and you can have the assurance that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. See, man, that's a message that people need. Why? Because people walk around with guilt. 
How many people you think go to psychiatrists and, you know, have to have drugs and all these things that just get them by because they can't cope with life. And they've got all kinds of guilt. They got guilt. They got shame. They got pain, pain from things that have happened, pain from people that have hurt them and stepped on them and, and broke them. And, and, and people are walking around broken and fractured in their soul. And it's like they need to know that there's a healer. That there's someone that can come and and put a healing balm on them. They need to know that. And we're the people. The people have been forgiven. The people have come out of brokenness. The people have come out. I mean, like, man, I was so messed up. I mean, my parents, when they left me when I was 16 years old and I was on my own, I have to be honest. The first six months was the greatest thing that ever happened. I'm just like, man, I don't have a curfew. I mean, think about that because you, you grew up your whole life and my parents were pretty, you know, you have to be home at this time. You got to do, you know, this and you got to pull weeds and you got to do your, well, all of a sudden, you know, they're just gone. And so it's like, no one's telling me what time to come home. So, man, I'm staying out till one, two o'clock in the morning. I'm a party animal. I'm going to parties. I mean, there's, I could come home wasted. It doesn't matter because it's like no one's there at home. But it was about six months of that, that all of a sudden it's kind of like, you kind of want someone to want you to be home. You know, you kind of want someone that cares you exist. You kind of want someone that's looking out for you. And when you don't have that, then all of a sudden you start falling deeper and deeper and deeper into that lifestyle of partying and drinking and, you know, drugs and all of this stuff. And all of a sudden you start losing yourself. So, yeah, the first six months was great. Then after that, it's kind of like, man, my life stinks. It stinks. Yes, we, as the people of God, need to be willing to die to ourselves so that others can come to Christ. Well, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know. Get over yourself. This is a message that can't be contained. It's the greatest message of all of human history. It was G. Campbell Morgan commenting on why the people at Antioch were first called Christians. He said this quote, they talked of Christ. They lived for Christ. They worked for Christ. They caught his Holy Spirit. They were occupied with his work. They manifested his character and his conduct, end quote. Wow, that's why they were called Christians. They acted just like Jesus acted. Yes, it's how we tangibly live out our faith. You know, shining when we're unselfish, shining when we put others first, shining when we don't murmur and complain like the world does, shining when we have honesty, integrity, shining when we don't talk behind others' backs and stab people in the back and throw them under the bus. We shine when our yes is yes and our no is no. And when we live out our faith in the light, that's what opens the hearts and the ears of those around us to hear the gospel, to be that brilliant light that exposes the darkness. Then number three, he said, we are to correct the foolish you know, the Bible says in Psalm 14, 1, only the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So when I'm talking to people, oh, I don't believe in God. Uh, oh, you don't believe in God? Well, how do you think we exist? How do you think the earth is traveling in an orbit around this sun that's 520 million miles long? Do you think it just 
they just get all evolved that way. I mean, you know, that we have the perfect balance of oxygen and water and everything on planet Earth for humans to survive. That just happened all on its own. I mean, you don't think there's some kind of divine creator? I mean, there's a creator for a styrofoam cup. There's a creator for a guitar pick. You know, I mean, it's like there's a creator for everything. I got little plastic sleeves that I put my notes in. Someone created that. I mean, it's like, and you're telling me that the magnificence of the of the universe just happened all on its own? See, so we are to correct the foolish. Yes, the Bible says that only a senseless person could look around at the creation, you know, that we live in and say to himself that it just all evolved all on its own, that there isn't a divine creator behind it. It's like looking at a a beautiful painting in some art museum by Rembrandt or something or some other famous artist and saying, well, that guy just stood back about 20 feet and started slinging, you know, painting it just all kind of landed in the right spot. I mean, like, uh, really? It'd be like saying that an iPhone 12 all came about because they put a bunch of pieces in the food processor and just hit a button. It's like, you know, I don't think so. You know, I think it all came about because there was a lot of intelligence that went behind that. You know, as we know, everything in life, again, from a can opener to the cars we drive were created by lots of thought and creative design. So how much more is the creation or these bodies that are working with no plug-in power pack? You know, it's like your lungs are breathing, your heart's beating. I mean, it just, it's just insane. And then we're all marked different. Seven, seven point, what, eight billion people now? Someone just said 7.8 billion people on planet Earth. We all have different fingerprints. We all have a, a tongue print. That's different than everybody else. We'll have a DNA strand inside of us that is different than all 7.8 billion people. I mean, come on. But see, that's why we are to correct the foolish. We're to come back with them. Well, what about this? And what instead of just like, I don't believe there's a God. Okay, sorry. I'll see you later. Wait a second. What do you mean there is no God? We're to teach the immature. Understand, there's always an opportunity to teach. You know, when we are in the word of God, we have someone and something to teach. It's amazing to me how, you know, something that that you can hear at a Bible study, like right now, you know, you might run into someone tomorrow. Yeah, I don't think there's a God. Well, do you think they just took an iPhone, a bunch of pieces and put it in a food processor? Hey, steal my stuff anytime you want. Steal it. Okay. But I mean, it's amazing how many times I'll be reading in the Bible, something in my morning devotions, and then I'll run into someone, you know, at the bank or just, you know, five hours later, it's like in the last something I'm like, well, you know, the Bible says right here. How did I know that? I just read it this morning. (laughs) It's like, that's why it's good to be in the word of God. Because we always have something to teach. So that's why 1 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself as approved to God, as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately or rightly dividing the word of truth. Because it's like when you're in God's word, it's amazing how you'll hear something or listening to a Bible study or reading it, and then all of a sudden you need it. But again, that's all based on you're willing to open your mouth to even talk to people in the first place. Because how is the subject going to come up? If we don't bring it up, but that's an exhortation to us today as believers to be the guide to the blind, to be the lights that shine, to correct those that are walking in foolishness and to teach the immature. Paul's point here was if they were doing this, 
then why be boastful in their faith as Jews? Getting back to the point he was making to the Jews that were not practicing what they knew to be true. That's why he asked him in verse 21, if you preach, don't steal, are you stealing yourself? He said in verse 22, if you preach, don't commit adultery, are you committing adultery yourself? That's why he said in verse 23, you boast in being a Jew, God's chosen people, the the keeper of God's law, yet are you breaking God's law and dishonoring God? And here's the bottom line. We cause the name of our Lord to be blasphemed to the unbelievers around us if we do those things, like if we're not walking by what we actually believe. This is a strong exhortation to each and every one of us on how we live our lives. Look, we know that we're going to mess up occasionally, but as believers, we should be sinning less and sinning less and sinning less, though we'll never be sinless We can sin less and less as we follow him. Yes, outside these church walls, that's how people see us. And we could be, again, the only Bible that someone might ever read. That's why it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every form of evil. Abstain from every form of evil. So if it looks evil, don't do it. I remember when me and my wife first got married, uh, we were married a couple of years, and we bought our first brand new house. I'm like, wow, we, we have our first brand new house. Now, you got to remember, you know, that I was like 23 years old, but I looked like I was 15, okay? So people would come to the door. That's when a lot of people used to come to the door selling stuff and everything. I'd open the door. Hi, how's it going? And they'd say, is your dad home? I'm like, I don't know. You'll have to go to his house anyway, you know? <laughs> and so I was super young, but I mean, we had our brand new house and a brand new car in the driveway. I'm like, wow, you know, we really arrived. You know, look at us. And and so uh, I used to love the drinking beer. But as a Christian, you know, I had to put off the beer drinking. So my wife started buying me near beer. You know, uh, I forget the name of the whatever one she was buying me. But it was a non-alcohol beer, meaning it looked like beer. It smelled like beer. It tasted like beer. It just didn't have any alcohol in it. So I'd come home from work, you know, me and my 15-year-old body. (laughs) I'd open the refrigerator yeah, let me grab a cold one, you know, and I'd, I'd be drinking, you know, and then, I'm, you know, the Lord just totally convicted me. You know, he's just like, you know, looks like beer, smells like beer, tastes like beer. What if someone sees you drinking that bottle? Are they going to know that that's a zero alcohol drink, you know? And I'm like, that could cause someone to stumble, you know? So it's like, watch, you know, the very appearance of evil. So I just said, you know what? I'm not buying this anymore. I did drink the last of it, I have to admit. But it's like, we didn't buy it anymore. Which brings up our point, becoming a doer. Let's read what it says, picking up in Romans 2.25. It says, for indeed, circumcision is of value if you practice it. Now, that was the big sign with the Jew, right? They were circumcised. Nobody else did it. It was only the Jews that did it. Now, maybe a lot more people do it now. But back then, that was a Jewish thing. For indeed, circumcision is of value If you practice the law, but if you are a transgressor or a sinner of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision, meaning you're thinking you're saved. You're thinking you're right with God because you're a Jew and you're circumcised. But Paul is saying, if you act like a heathen, even though you're a Jew and you're circumcised, that doesn't mean you're going to heaven. 
verse 26. So if the uncircumcised man, talking about the Gentile who hasn't been circumcised, and he keeps the requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? And he who is physically uncircumcised, if he keeps the law, will he not judge you who, though having the letter of the law and circumcision, are a transgressor of the law? Man, he puts out a good question to the Jews. The Jews were acting like, hey, man, we got it all together, man. We're the whole bag of chips. But you're not walking and following the law. So you're just saying, I'm going to heaven. I'm right with God because of my heritage and my DNA says that I'm a Jew and I'm circumcised. And the Paul saying, I was that guy. I was the Pharisee. I was circumcised. I knew all that. I was the teacher of the law. I had no relationship with God whatsoever. See, every baby Jewish male, as you know, was circumcised on the eighth day. This was an identifying sign that he belonged to the lineage of Abraham. It's what sets you apart from all the other people. So again, Paul is going to make his case now for Gentiles, who many in this day were not circumcised. So by confronting his Jewish brothers with this fact, he says, if you're circumcised, Yet, you're not walking according to law. Your circumcision means nothing. Wow, that's like a baseball bat in the face right there. It's like, don't tell me you're just a Jew because you're in Jew in name only. It means nothing. You're just like all the other heathen nations. Just because you're a Jew and circumcised doesn't really mean anything. Yet, at the same time, he says, if a Gentile who's uncircumcised, but yet he embraces the law of God and does what God commands him to do, then although he's he's not circumcised, shouldn't he be a judge over you? Because he actually knows the law and is obeying the law. For you're a hypocrite is what he's saying, and he's not a hypocrite. Jesus made this very same comparison all the time, and he purposely would use these examples here, those who the Jewish people hated. He would always put them up against who the Jewish people couldn't stand. He was always, you know, bringing up, you know, different people that the Jews just couldn't stand. And at one point, Jesus compared a Pharisee, the highest religious sect of the day, again, to a tax collector. Then, of course, tax collectors were hated then, and they're still hated today. But he said this in Luke 18.10, two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee. Mr. High and Mighty Religious Person, and the other, a tax collector, a dog. And the Pharisee stood, and he was praying this to himself. Oh, God, I thank you. This is Jesus giving this story here. I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I pay my tithes of all I get. Then Jesus referred to the tax collector. He says, but the tax collector standing some distance away was not even willing to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his chest saying, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says this in verse 14 of Luke 18. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Wow. 
See, that's how God looks at people. Again, the heart of the matter is always the matter of the heart. It's who you are on the inside. What Jesus says is exactly what Paul was saying. He was doing two things. Number one, he was trying to get to his fellow Jew to see that we're all sinners and that we all need to be forgiven. And two, that the Gentile, if he came to Christ and he lived according to the law of God, why wouldn't he be justified before God? For it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or not a Jew. What matters is where is your heart? As our title states, again, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Which brings up our final quick point here, being led by the Spirit. Let's read here in Romans 2 verse 28. It says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the spirit and not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. So God is saying, so we had this thing with the Old Testament, with Abraham, to set you apart was to be circumcised. How about this? You live as a circumcised heart. You're set apart because your heart has changed, is what he's saying. Paul says, you're relying on your circumcision alone to get you to heaven. It's not going to work. You know, you are a descendant of Abraham when you embrace God by faith. That's how Abraham embraced God, by faith, according to the law, and not your sinful flesh. God has been dealing with this attitude of self-entitlement since he first made the covenant with man. And God is always reminding us that his promises are based on what? Obedience. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.